You're listening to Not Just Sets and Reps, a show to help you boost your gains in health, fitness and well-being. My name's Mikey Lau. And my name is George Willard. We are both personal trainers, health and fitness professionals from Southampton Solent University. We'll be sitting down to discuss ways to maximise your time in and outside of the gym. With quality resources that you can use to make an impact. Hi everybody and welcome back to another podcast. Today we have a brand new guest with us. His name is David, he's from Loughborough University and he's very, very passionate about the fitness industry just like myself and Mikey. Um, Mikey, of course, you're with us today as well. If you yep. just guys, if you introduce yourself, say hello. You right, guys? Hello. But yeah, just like a short little brief introduction, but um, uh, I've actually known Dad for quite a while now. He's been my mate since uh, secondary school, so we've um, yeah, we've been in, interested in like the sport. We've been gym before, so it's good that to see that he's gone down more of the um, the sports science route, and I went down the more of the personal training route, and then we could just see like both sides of the perspective, and yeah, to see what's going on in both sides. Like Mike and George introduced me, I'm just a, a love brother doing a sports science course a three-year course and i'm currently a second student nice. second how are you finding student. it how are you finding it um yeah i find it very interesting um a lot of a lot of very passionate people about sport and very knowledgeable that i've tried to take in as much information as i can from them and and yes yeah, how, yeah. how are you guys finding your course and your uni yeah well, not too bad. I, I, george yeah so, go for so I'm sure Mikey will agree agree with with me. Second year, as yourself, David, is much more applied, and it's really now the chance when undergraduates start to exploring units and modules that really interest them. Because of course, now we start to get to choose our options a bit more. So mm. we're getting a bit more choice, a bit more freedom for what we go for. And yeah, I I personally I'm loving the course so far. So I don't know about you, Mikey, but it's it's, it's really good. Yeah, I know you like the the whole psychology side of it, don't you? Um, especially, mm, yeah. I think you say you're looking at um, was it determination or something for your research or? So for my research project in the third yeah. year, that will be looking for a correlation between stress and mindfulness. Okay, nice. Yeah. But yeah, what about yourself, um, David? What kind of stuff are you doing for your for your research? Um, I'm currently looking at different warm-ups and how they would affect the rate of force development. Um, so I'll be looking at active and passive and also the use of resistant bands in the in warm-ups. And I'll take, I'll be looking to take measurements of um, the rate of force developments of the athletes I'll be using with and comparing to before and after mm. and to see if there's a significant difference between, uh, between the ver- different variables. That's quite good though, especially with the warm up and um, yeah, no, it's definitely good because you want to you see like if it actually like improves or deteriorate performance, doesn't it? So it's always quite good to try and understand why people use that kind of stuff for warm ups and you know if it actually works or not. So no, props to you, man. That's really good. Yeah, it sounds very interesting actually. Yeah. But yeah, what kind of stuff do you do as well? I know you um you play futsal, so uh, how's that going for you? Um, yeah, so I think I'll start off with saying what futsal is because I'm pretty sure and I've spoken to a lot of people and they don't really know what it is so <laughs> basically what it is five aside indoor football but it's a lot more um, technical te- technical than that 
so yeah um, this season is going well obviously with the ongoing situation our season has been postponed and possibly cancelled so yeah it's an unfortunate end but i'm really enjoying it yeah nice but um but yeah so what's that george i was going to ask david is there a position that you play for your futsal yeah um i'm i'm a some position called a fix in futsal so in basically translate that to football terms like a defender nice Mm. how long is the typical game is it still 90 minutes um it's stop clock 20 minutes a half so it so it ends up roughly around 40 minutes a half all right yeah oh nice. so it's similar to basketball so every time the ball goes out this the clock gets stopped and and yeah it's 20 minutes I bet oh, that's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very intense. Mate, I can imagine the distance quite short as well, isn't it? Um, it's in- indoors, so I can imagine it won't be as obviously as big as a football field, right? It'll just be... Is it the same size yeah. as the basketball court? or um, Slightly bigger. It's the the usual international size of courts is um, 40 metres length and 20 metres 20 meters width. Okay, nice. Man, that's going to be like a lot of explosiveness, isn't it? So, like... Um, well, what's the when's the last game you played? Have you played like this year recently or? Um, yeah, we played a couple of games. I mean, we we play in a in a league called the National Futsal Series, and we we play all over the country. To be honest, like th- this season, I played um, Manchester up north in Newcastle, London, and yeah, we 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 are supposed to be playing a. Bournemouth University in the Bucks as well, but obviously it's got cancelled. <laughs> oh, That's right down wide by you, isn't it, George? Yeah, my hometown. Yeah. Oh, nice, man. But yeah, no, that's a shame though. Otherwise, um, we would have actually, you know, met up and actually just like catch up yeah. a little bit. That'd be quite nice. Uh, if especially if it's down south because um, obviously we're both in Southampton. So, but yeah, nice one, bro. Um, but yeah, you've been to Southampton a few times for Futsal, haven't you? How, how did you find it? Uh, good, yeah. Um, I mean, I've um, I've actually been at the newly refurbished Southampton Solent uh, Sports Horse. Yeah, that's the one. Amazing. That's it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, but yeah, nice. Anyway, so I think we should just uh, dive into the topic today's then. Um, I think you's um, you've brought up a couple of things that you want to talk about, and I think was it talent identification you've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to talk to you guys about um, ta- what is talent, how to identify talent, and if talent even exists, pretty much. Yeah. So to start off, I want to ask both of you your opinion of what do you think talent is? What is your definition of talent? What character, like what characteristics would you put on someone who you think is talented? George? That's, a very quite, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think... I'll go first, and then Mikey, if you wanted to kind of extend. But from in my t- in my my opinion for what talent is, I think there's a potential clear difference between talent and and a skill. So I'll use the analogy of say football, just because most of our listeners will probably have some awareness of who these two players are in in football. So you've got Cristiano Ronaldo one of the world's greatest football players ever lived. And you've also got Lionel Messi, again, one of the world's greatest players that's ever lived. Now, there's this common and ongoing speculation and debate as to which one's better. 
And with that comes the question as well, which one is more skilled, like, i.e. they've learnt a skill, they've practised it over and over and over again, therefore they are now very good, or which one is naturally talented, so they've been gifted with with a particular skill. Now, most people, and actually I do agree with this, most people will say that Cristiano Ronaldo is uh, is is an athlete that has developed a skill, i.e. with hours and hours of practice. Of course, there's a degree of talent as well, of course, but in comparison, therefore, <clears throat> Lionel Messi is kind of the opposite, whereby he's just been gifted with this pure talent. Um, he's just been born with, with the skill. Of course, he's had to work on it as well, but he was born with it. So that's my kind of overview. That's a brief a brief kind of definition in my in my opinion. But Mikey, what, what do you think about talent? Um, yeah, no, that's a really good, really good explanation. And um, I mean, I can't really add much to that apart from just, in my opinion, I think there's a certain element of, you know, being nurtured at a young age, um, again, to have like a certain skill and then seem like to have, you know, great talent. Um, and also a lot of factors play into, um, obviously, like determining your success as an athlete, doesn't it? Your genetics is probably going to be one of them as well, you know, uh, considering your your height and, and certain things. Um, I know there's, there's like probably athletes out there that perform really, really well despite their genetics that may, that might determine them as like you know um, less likely to be successful at that sport but they somehow mm-hmm. persevere and I think there is like so many factors to come into and determine you know who will be successful who has talent or not and I think it's largely on the upbringing you know how they are nurtured um, into sport and into fitness especially and um and probably like when they start like training really um but obviously there's always like discre- you know discrepancies you know i think a lot of some some athletes i can't remember um did tiger woods start quite late i can't remember the golfer tiger woods he didn't he didn't he start quite late yeah i think so i think yeah can't remember if memory serves me right but um there's plenty of athletes out there that start really late and there are plenty of athletes out there that that's been nurtured at a young age to play a certain sport and then they've become really really good and talented uh, so say so my I think my opinion is it's probably um, yeah just definitely how they brought up and nurtured into it but I'm interested in what you're thinking um, Davi because obviously you know a lot more about this than, than we do so what's your opinion on it um, I, I mean for, from, from, from my perspective it's a bit different to you, yours um, both of yours because I've, obviously I had a little bit more experience within this field mm. so what I got from both of you is that talent is almost measured as a way of performance for example as Joe said um, Messi and Ronaldo they both seem talented because now they've achieved something but for example if you see someone young who hasn't achieved something would you consider them as talented? Mm. Yeah I suppose it's a good question so I think it, yeah. No, so go here, on. Here, the question that like I want to say is: um, Can talent be measured? And is it does talent even exist? So, mm. to just to throw around some um, figures about, uh, we'll just stick with football because it's probably the mostly researched area in the UK. So, if a kid spends 
in a ca category one academy in England, every year is spent at a category <clears throat> category one academy. It's worth at least three thousand three thousand pounds between the ages of nine and twelve. So, for example, some a kid could um, be free as an academy between the ages of nine, ten, eleven. That's three years, and will be worth twelve thousand pounds. Twelve thousand, so, mate. Yeah, yeah. At the age of eleven. Man, I wish I had kind of pocket money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like I'm trying to say to you this, and um, different research showed that around academies spend around two to three million per season just mm. on talent identification. Man, I didn't know that. That's actually mad. Yeah. But yeah, just so to find, to... just just to find someone who they think is talented. Yeah, exactly, and. What I'm trying to almost get this debate going here is can it be measured? Because there's so much money in it and can it be measured? Mm. I think I think talent identification is probably not so much a case of it being measured. It depends how we mean measured because it could be a qualitative way of measuring, measuring or it could be a quantitative way of measuring. But I think talent identification has to have an element of experience. For example, I'm sure most people are aware of X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. Um, there you go, <laughs> Britain's Got Talent. So Simon Cowell, obviously the, the main guy of the shows, mm. he is arguably the most experienced. Why? Because he identifies, he, he is the one that's had the most experience in identifying talent. Um, and so I suppose it's a case of knowing that once you've got some insight into what it is required for someone to be talented, then you just know. I think that's a pretty good point you brought up in terms of measuring, actually. Um, I mean, I think quantitatively, again, actually, I want to take it a step back, back to the point I brought back earlier about starting at a young age and nurturing Um I think that's probably going to be quite a big important factor. Um, if if talent exists, right, and if you've been brought into it, and if both your parents are are like athletes uh, compared to some other people with whose parents may not be athletes, right, and you've been brought up with the preconception idea of you know uh, I need to keep my fitness up, I need to play the sport, I need to be really active, just experience as much as I can when I'm young. I won't say actually. I'll call that, I'll probably call that skill, like George says, um, just because you, you've already had that sort of like exposure at such a young age and you've sort of like been brought up with the idea of like sport compared, you know, more than someone else and then you might have like more of an idea, more knowledge um, than someone else in, in this area. So you come across as like talented when it may not have anything to do with talent, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think skill is, skill is acquired. Whereas talent is inherent. There's a clear difference. That's quite, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, what do you think, David? I, I just wanted to throw around um, some literature I have on the, on the nature side. So that talent is born with or talent is gifted. Yeah, that'll be so, quite a good one, yeah. So what I have here is Myers et al. from 2013 defined, um, or stated that people who achieve outstanding levels of performance are gifted so therefore it's natural um so giftedness is proclaimed to be a rare 
and materialized with early onset of extra extraordinary proficiency. And a great example of this is uh, Mozart. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Mo Mozart. He yes. was he was entertaining the arist uh, aristocracy by mm. playing compositions on the piano at the age of six. So Man, six, yeah. Yeah, so would that be, if you're six and you're performing to the top people and you're entertaining them, does that mean you had enough time to develop that skill or are you simply born with it? I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think you're you're born with anything. I think the only thing you're born with is your genetics and that determines possibly some, some you know, partition of your success, right? But I believe if the, with the right combination of sort of that maybe genetics and other factors such as your parents and your upbringing, it all concocts to how, when, how and when you'll be successful as even an athlete or a performer or like an artist. Um, I think with the right combination of just different things, and is, I think it's, it's quite a difficult one to to, to answer really. Um, in the sense that, because one, we we still need to determine if if talent even exists. And I th did you say that study says that, um, that they've identified was it gifted or? Yeah, the people who achieve outstanding levels of performance are gifted. Are gifted, um, yeah. but here's a question: what 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 would you define as gifted? What kind of things would would you would an individual have to show to demonstrate the gifted? Um, in the first place yeah so, so this is a perfect point from you mikey because yeah that's what exactly what i'm trying to get at with all this money involved in talent identification is there a way to measure this talent oh uh, yeah that's it and like um going back to that point that george said as well because george you said something about british got uh, britain's got talent right and yeah. um and uh, the judges are there to to sort of eliminate people they they deem untalent untalented uh, or sort of like not as talented as other people, and obviously pick people who are talented. But their way of measuring is really subjective, isn't it? Um, so this 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 a sense of like being subject subjective to um, to that to like a certain group maybe I don't know like your own opinion or, or what's talented because there's no actual like definition of talent or like no actual tangible method of measuring it if i'm if i'm if i'm right i mean like, yeah yeah like it's ta a lot of people will have to subjectively um just identify being someone has talent so mm. i'm going to put some more arguments on the <clears throat> nature side so the human genome map or dna and talent identi identification Mm. has um, identified several ver variables which are related to physical performance, which are genetically constrained. So like your genetics, for example, having a low resting heart rate. Some people will have that genetically. Yeah. And uh, the, the recently updated um, version of this map said that for performance, you there are around 200 genes which can you can that humans have, which yeah. are related to health and performance. For example, okay. one of them is uh, the myostatin gene, which limits growth of muscles through the regulation of protein. So, is it possible for someone to test for this gene mm. and then determine that they have it as a way of identifying talent? George, what's your what's your take on this? So, what? Sorry, what was the the question there, David? Um, so, like a, 
the myostatin gene is a gene that limits growth of muscles through the because it regulates um protein and for example what, can you use that as a way of or testing genes to determine if someone has for example more of these genes that means they'll be more talented so am i writing saying then david that there's certain genes as a part of one's genetic makeup that can predispose them to be more talented is that correct um yeah it, the research in the, some of the research does indicate that way yeah yeah well i think yes well then that's that's the answer then isn't it yeah um and also have some other statistics here saying um so for example, a US company charges parents $150 to search for alpha actin gene, which is a basically it's a skeletal muscle protein um, mm. as, as a marker of athletic performance. So do you think it's right for someone to pay a company to test for a certain gene to um, to almost select them because they have that gene and then put them in a sport because of that gene oh so we're strictly speaking using that to to giving someone more opportunities than other people um who have tested for such genes uh and they get yeah. like better opportunities basically yeah. um and is that like just like right or wrong in terms of moral sense basically or just like g generally speaking yeah i'm just I'm just trying to get your opinions on um, yeah. So people have different gene makeups, and mm. testing people for genes at an early age does that mean that because they have those genes, they are going to be talented in the future? I think the key word in all of this is potential, because potential, yeah. of course, if someone's biology or their physiology is greater over one individual, mm. then they are more like they have more opportunity or more potential to succeed at whatever it is. That's just the way it is. And yeah, I think there's there's really two sides you could look at it, really. I think you could look at it from a moral side and from the side of the academy. So from the moral side, it's like right or wrong, isn't it? So it could be wrong in the sense that you're giving someone more opportunities than someone else based off their genetic makeup, which you can't determine at birth, right? You can't just choose, I want to be an athlete. Um, and but you could also look at it from the side of the um, academy, can't you? Where they they're an institution, they want to make money, they want to get the name out there, be famous and stuff like that. And you could see as you could see it as an investment where they're paying this program, this talent identification, to go out there and um, basically spend money, um, their money, on looking for people who could bring potential profit from their own potentials. But like I think George said really quite nicely is the potential is the key word there because, you know, just because they have that gene doesn't mean they'll they'll be athletes for sure, 100%. It might still mean that there's a, still a small margin where they'll actually become a successful athlete and the academy will still have to take risks just by taking them on um, and training them and using their resources and time. So I think... Um, yeah, you said it really nicely, George. With the you know the key key thing is uh, potential, I think, in in my opinion as well. 
Nice. So I think if just quickly, if you look at say one of the biggest clubs, well probably the biggest football club in the world, which is of course FC Barcelona, they will no doubt invest mm. hundreds and thousands, you know, millions of or euros into the talent identification and development of their youth, because mm. of course that's where a lot of their Spanish youth players come from. They just come through the academy because they invest so much money. But of course, why would one of the biggest clubs in the world waste their time with these six and eight-year-olds in terms of their development? Why would they waste their time on just random, on random people, random children? Of course, not random, but they they want to have you know they want to be able to test it because they don't want to waste all this money and time and effort and energy. In, into something so you know you don't just go into the FC Barcelona Academy willy-nilly you have to have a mm. certain level and there's a huge commitment involved and I think and so, the um yeah sorry yeah no, go on so I, I think this is it's just the whole everything links together with like um obviously the it's just the the standard I mean it's high to get into those clubs and I think when they're so high and so ridiculously like 1% or fraction of a percent of the population of footballers actually get there, they actually, they, they have to test. They have to like sort of make sure they get the best possible chance and deserve the salary that footballers get paid because it's not a secret that footballers get paid loads of money. Um, I mean, partly down to, you know, replacement. Can you replace that person? Can you replace their skill? You know, can you replace their mm. determination, their psychology? If they're that unreplaceable then they're worth more, aren't they? And if somehow, like, the genes can identify this, um, then I think it just, you know, from a point of view of a company, from a point of view of a club, it saves them money, it saves them time and resources. And I think, you know, it can be beneficial for them, talent identification. But again, like, where where's the line drawn, you know, in terms of morally right and morally wrong and making the right choice for the for the academy? Yeah, I mean, I think you summed, summed up the the nature side of it perfectly with um with testing mm. for genes, but obviously it's not the only side to the argument. We have um, the nurture side, so mm. almost working to become better. I don't know if have you guys ever heard of a guy called Matthew Saeed? Yes, heard. I've heard of him. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm lacking in all these um, general knowledge things. <laughs> uh, so, do you know a lot about him, or do you, just just the name rings a bell? Just just the name. I don't know what area of life he comes in to my. I can't think where, but I've just heard of the name. So basically, he's a he's an author, and he wrote a book called "Bounce: The Myth of Talent and the Battle of Practice." Oh yes, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. So um, he's a three times gold medalist at the. Commonwealth Games and competed mm. at two Olympics in um, in table tennis. Yeah, table tennis. And what his argument is that talent is not genetic because he's from he's from uh, Redden, like me and Mikey. Oh, really? And, um, <laughs> yeah. So basically, in the nineteen eighties, the top four of the best UK table tennis players were all from one street in Reading. Wow. 
That's actually so yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So then, surely, if talent is natural, what are the possibilities of having four of the best in the country <laughs> live on one street in Reading? Yeah. That's insane. That gives me chills just now. Um, that is a really good point, mate. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, again, like you said nurturing, right? And the people you surround yourself with, I think, is is quite crucial as well. Um, but yeah, mate, I'm I'm still yeah I'm still thinking on that because it's it's a really good point you've brought up. But yeah, yeah. I'll get back to you. What do you think, George? Um, in terms of that, you got any? Yeah, definitely a, yeah. a worthwhile point mentioning and. And actually, if I was to kind of decide between, you know, if, if you said to me now, which one in terms of this nature versus nurture debate, would you would you suggest to be the most mm. favorable for success in whatever discipline? I would almost inevitably always go with nurture. Mm. Why? Primarily because one can have all the gift, all the talent, whatever you want to describe it, all the genetic predisposition, predis- all the genetic qualities that you that you know you can have but ultimately if that individual is not prepared to work they will not succeed it's as mm. simple as that mm. hence why the dropout the dropout rate of so many youth soccer players football players in and around the age of about 18 they just drop off why because they get involved in antisocial behavior alcohol whatever they, they lose track and they give up and actually i know i know someone who's been close with my family he actually kind of lost it a bit because he, although he he was a very talented individual he just lost his will he lost his motivation and so they dropped him and mm. so in principle therefore you can have all the talent in the world but if you don't put in the work you're out mm. I think that's that's. I think I agree. Uh, nurture as well, um, and yeah, I'm gonna bring up the point of M- Matt Fraser because I'm a preacher of CrossFit, um, and they're little minion and that. So yeah, so I obviously I for those who listen to the show, like I love my CrossFit, and I'm gonna just and if you don't know who Matt Fraser is, he's like the world's fittest man, which is a title that they give um, give to the the champions. And his story was that he's actually, he got into Olympic lifting camp, okay? So he started off as a Olympic lifter. So he's, con- you know, he had the skill, he, he's had a right upbringing. His, you know, his parents were Olympians, basically. If I remember right, they were figure skaters or something like that. But they, they had medals or something. Um, and he, he got into like Olympic weightlifting camp. And at a certain age, I think it was like 17, 18, 19, around that age, like George mentioned, he started getting into like alcohol. Uh, he started drinking. And I don't know if drugs was involved or anything, but I've, I was listening to podcasts. I don't know if you mentioned anything, but, um, but yeah, so basically he'd gone off the rails a little bit. And then his psychology, I think that's such a big part, your, your thought, your mental state. If, you know, if that's not in place, no matter what you have, whatever you had from before, right, you're not going to, mm-hmm carry that over if your mind is not up for it and his mind wasn't up for it during that time so you know he's fallen he's fallen off and he's like not achieved anything massive um and i think just one day he went through like rehab and stuff like that and after a couple of years he got back into it again and then now he's like the world's fittest man four four times in a row you know he won it four years in a row now and it's not an easy sport so i think psychology it's so massive like again nurture 
um, you just how you're brought up, your attitude towards you know sport, your attitude towards how you're gonna harness the gifts that you've been given at such a young age. Let it be the genetics, let it be uh, I don't know skill that you've developed over time due to those genetics. I think psychology definitely. But yeah, what yeah, do you guys so, think? Just to further expand on the Matthew yeah. Said story on the on the nurture side of things, in 1978, his parents brought him a competition table for his home for him to practice. His mm. older brother was played to a high standard. His school teacher, whose name was Peter Charters, was one of the UK's highest regarded table tennis coaches, and he invited Matthew Matthew Said to join the 24-hour, so open 24-hours elite table tennis club, where he trained a lot so his talent as a result of him living there or for example if if other people had the same opportunity would they be as successful as him george what do you think so am i right in saying david that this so matthew said he went to this 24-hour camp and Basically, if he didn't have the right genetics, would he have been successful? Is that the right question? Um, what I'm trying to say is, if another person had the same upbringing as Matthew Said, if he had a twin brother, mm. would he be the same? As oh, I see, I see. Mate. That's a very good question. Um, I think ultimately, potentially, potentially, yes but then we all have very different genetics. So potentially not, it, you know, it's, I, I use this analogy sometimes in personal development because I'm very much interested in personal development. So I'll quickly draw this analogy in because it might just summarize what I'm trying to say quite nicely. But essentially, if you now imagine in your mind that you've got two people, so this is similar to what you're talking about with Matthew Said, but imagine you've just got two people at birth, they're twins, right? Yep. They're both from an English family, but they are raised in, let's say, Japan. Okay, so they're, they're raised by an English family, but they've been raised in Japan. Now, at birth, of course, because they're surrounded by Japanese people, they will in inherently be able to speak their language because that's whom they are surrounded by. But let's now suppose one of the children okay so one child is moved across the other side of the world for whatever reason say a week after being born okay so you've got one child across the world and the other child has remained with his english family in japan the child that has remained in japan will most likely be able to speak Japa Jap japanese and also english whereas now the other child that has moved abroad He's not gonna he or she isn't gonna know japanese because of the surroundings and so the point i'm trying to make is the surroundings is really the fundamental key um so i i do think going back to your question there david i do think there's potential for his i think it was his brother wasn't it matthew Said's brother if he went then yes there's potential yeah so linking all of this can you both say, like, imagine um, this nature versus nurture debate as a continuum. So on the far left, you have mm. nature. On the far right, you have nurture. 
where do you sit on this continuum? Are you, are you more nature? Are you more nurture? Or are you perhaps somewhere in the middle, like a hybrid of the both, that one can't be without the other? And link it. Can you, can you try link it to, is it possible to measure this talent and predict accurately in the future? Go on, Mikey. Mate, uh, you, you had me at that twin thing um, before. Uh, I'm still like, uh, this conversation is fire, by the way, man. Uh, David, I've got to give you hats off to that. It's really, really good topic to talk about. I have not actually thought this hard in a, in a while. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, mate. So on the, well, regards to the continuum, I think I would sit probably, um, if it's like a spectrum, right, like you said, or continuum, then I'll probably sit so middle but just shifting towards the nurture side I, I do believe there you know genetics and nature does have a play in in talent so and so you know if, if talent if that if talent does exist but i think without that element of the right upbringing the whole psychology and understanding you know understanding yourself you know what you want and how you're going to use what you have is really really big in determining success um in that regards and yeah so what's the other one what's the question after that again david um so obviously linking this back to can talent be measured can you for someone who is young and hasn't mm. yet been maybe not has experienced this nurture side of things or put into the right environment environment yeah. like my facade has can you determine if they're going to be talented person if they haven't experienced this nurtured experience yet man all right i think can i interject do you mind yeah yeah definitely yeah i think i think it largely depends on the sport why because of course if you're say looking at a rugby player chances are you won't see their uh, okay so let's look at a rugby player what is a key differentiate uh, what is key to being successful in rugby well one of the main key physical components is muscle size correct so you're not really going to be able to see if someone's truly got potential or talent by by the age of 10 for someone who's interested in rugby because you just can't because they don't grow until they're about 18. So whereas a sport such as maybe tennis or say table tennis in particular, there's a lot more skill. In fact, it's mainly just skill. You don't need to be the fittest man on earth to be really good table tennis would you both agree mm. yeah, yeah i agree exactly Ooh. so I, su I suppose it really largely depends on the requirement of the sport and the physical demands needed because that will depict at what age can you most mm. effectively understand one's true potential i i really agree with that actually one person popped to mind and he's at our uni as well is lutan uh, i don't know if you know lutan but um he's from hong kong and um, this guy, right? So he's actually he's uh, he played table tennis before. I can't remember if he said competitively or not, um, but I think he probably just played it for fun, like literally like last year uh, or the year before. And then I think he got into golf like literally a year ago, and he's gone one and he's gone won the Hong Kong o Hong Kong Open. Like he's actually like got like wow. a, like a, a trophy or something from um, from the mayor of Hong Kong or like the 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 governor of hong kong or something um wow. so he's actually in, yeah. i think in one year he's just kind of exploded like and he's going to like <laughs> training camps in scotland and he's training like 
all kinds of places now. He's obviously back in Hong Kong now, but um, but he's actually yeah. I think that element of so and so talent. I'm not really sure if he's done it before, but from the sounds of it, he kind of just started about a year and a half, probably a year ago, golfing, and now he's gone won the Open for Hong Kong. So so on that on that perspective, could you argue that mm. he's a natural? Because skill base, yeah. I think George pointed it out quite nicely. Um, I think skill, maybe. Um, but then going back to that point of sports specificness, I think also if we apply this on a general scale, um, in terms of individual versus team sports. I mean, team sports. I feel like there's more factors that come into it, as well as like the team um, synergy. Because as a team, you got to work well as a team, right? Uh, I mean, if you play yeah. FIFA, then you know you've got to have the right players matched together and, and stuff like that and get the right synergies going. Um, and I think individual, I think there's less factors just because everything you do is on you as an individual. So, and therefore, maybe when you're born with a more beneficial trait for an individual sport, maybe that might be better to use talent identification because you rely on yourself. You know, you don't rely on anyone else. There's no other factors such as team synergy that could get involved whilst if you're in a team sport where factors such as team synergy or team psychology or something like that gets involved then regardless of your own efforts you put into the game you might you know not affect the, the overall performance that much if you know what i mean yeah so this leads me perfectly onto anthropometrical measures um have you guys ever heard of this term before yeah yeah yeah. Can you uh, explain to what, 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 what you think this is? Is that... Um, so, I'm, I'm worried I might, have got, I might have got it mixed up. Is that like measuring um, body body comp and stuff like that? Am I, am yeah, I yeah that's, that's perfectly. That's, that's what it yeah. is. All right. So the research suggests from Til Atau in 2015 that mm. for, for successful rugby league players, um, factors such as height and sitting height, body mass, skin fold thickness are all factors which affect how good someone is at the sport. So how can you identify someone at a young age who hasn't yet matured? Exactly, yes. Who mm. is talented? Mm. Mm. This, is, this was my point, exactly. It really largely depends on the sport. So same with football, when you there's so much money into identifying at a young age and mm. then maturation changes all of this towards the later part of maturation when everyone's almost equal mm. man yeah no that's a really good study actually um but yeah where where do you stand i mean obviously we heard quite a lot about where we stand what where do you stand on on this side of this um posing um, some of the questions as well like in terms of like continuum in the continuum that you've mentioned earlier um where do you think you are I think that obviously I'm pretty much on the money with you guys with um, that some people are born with certain genes, but mm. that is just a question of possibility. It's not a certain that you'll be characterized as a talented person. It's about getting into the right environment, hard work, and also developing constantly and becoming truly like um just focused on becoming better and 
that's how talented people people become i think cool talented in my opinion mm. so I'm, I'm i am like in the middle between na- nature and nurture but like you mikey slightly shift into the nurture side nurture side yeah mm. that's pretty cool yeah anything um, yeah sorry in terms of psychological traits mm. if someone's who obviously people who are talented you often hear in the media they're hard working obsessed what mm. can you guys tell me what psychological traits would you consider or think of someone who's talented george i think this is right down your alley mate <laughs> um so rephrase the question for me david because i want to make sure i give you a good answer so um for example how in, in in terms of the way that an athlete thinks how do you think an athlete should think how do you think an athlete in terms of psych- psychology what are the psychological traits that differentiate them as being as elite talented player instead of those who are not what do they have in psychology in their head that the non-elite don't well like i alluded to earlier the one of the main reasons why people drop out from from competitive sport and taking it to that next level in and around the ages of about 16 to 18 to 21 is because the mind starts to shift and you know that's obviously where adulthood really starts and progresses and develops and so your mentality will also change with that but a key predictor in one's success despite any level of gift and or talent is down to one's persistence down to one's discipline and down to one's willingness to succeed i think the main key psychological components that separate the successful between those whom aren't successful is how consistent they are how disciplined they are and how how much they're willing to persist and continue growing in face of adversity yeah that's that's great uh mikey can what do you agree or are you on the same lines i think i'm on similar lines i think um in terms of if you're in any competitive field um i think the odds are really 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 against you um just because I think people who are really competitive and really want to achieve and be that 1%, I think they they have to, like, the mentality they have to have is unbelievable. Like, I just can't imagine, like, how some of these people live their life day to day. And they make it look so easy as well because they've just been, it's, all, it's like conditioning, isn't it? It's conditioning for the mind, right? Um, and I think you have to, one, sacrifice a lot uh, in terms yeah. of stuff, like, to do socially family friends loved ones right and you have to have that you know you got fucking do it mentality like no matter what you're at it 24 7 like it it, it's like you it's like your life you have to enjoy the process i think this is the biggest thing it's like when it comes to athletes um they they enjoy the process the the grind like they love that 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 part of the training they love that you know they don't really care about obviously they care about the reward at the end but i feel like they have the mentality where they they know if they 
enjoy the process and really push hard, they'll get what they want at the end. And yeah. it's just that drive. So yeah, I mean, you, you guys are literally, literally um, on the money with all the literature on this topic. <laughs> nice. So I have some um, research from Wickman 2017 and Rees et al. from 2016. Yeah. And they say that um, athletes who are more successful display higher levels of motivation, higher confidence and perceived control, mm. greater me mental toughness and resilience, better ability to cope with adversity, greater resistance to choking, but also a kind of interesting thing is um, they have different mental, different range of mental skills. So for example, goal setting, anxiety control, imagery, self-talk, mm. stuff like that. So is it possible to measure or to questionnaire athletes, young athletes, or do you use goal setting, anxiety control, self-talk, and use that as a predictor for future performance as talent, or is it just purely to maturation experience? I think in my opinion, the use of these questionnaires that you allude to are beneficial, not only perhaps to predict uh, success for the athlete, but more so for the monitoring of their progress. And I suppose Mikey can also relate to this because we're similar. Well, we're studying the same course at university, hmm. but when we take clients through a rehabilitation process, so they're going through their rehab there, uh, and you can relate to this as well, David, in your course, but if you've got a client or an athlete going through rehab, they're separated from the norm, whether that be their, their group or just from their normal way of life. And so it's therefore it's critical to have these frequent questionnaires because although you're checking in on their physical state every day because that's that's um, visible you have to also check in with the mind and the psychology therefore questionnaires are a great way of doing that because it gives you that quantitative means it gives you something down on paper that mm. you can record and track i think that's really nicely said yeah in um monitoring i mean you, you mentioned it before i mean consistency is the key to success isn't it like you know you could do one amazing session or and then just do nothing the next day or you could do like loads and loads of consistent smaller sessions and you get more results um and yeah with monitoring it just keeps you on track i mean we've learned about it so much in psychology with uh, the different action plans coping plans different things to keep someone on a path to better behavior you know, after you've actually gone through the whole process of convincing them, right, you know, you want to change and here's the method to change and you've got to think like this, just do this like this, right? But then also encouraging their sort of like own self-autonomy and then you give them like maybe something like an action plan to actually commit themselves to and follow sort of like a rule um, and then just sort of get the psychology in, in, in check as well so that you know roughly what they're thinking, uh, how, you know, how their thoughts are manifesting each day um and then sort of just adjusting when when things sort of go go off track a little bit you know if, if things arise such as you know covid 19 has affected so so many people and um their psychology you know how are people dealing with it is you know if there's a way to measure people's um people's mental health and mental state and sort of like maybe produce something to to deviate and help them and take them to the right direction 
then I think you know it's it's in the same context, isn't it? Like with athletes, um, just keeping them on track with um, interviews and just understanding the you know using using questionnaires. Yeah. Um, so this is perfect with the way you guys are following this through because now I want to introduce a bit of a contradiction to the mm. to the psychological traits debate. Oh, so mate. the NFL does does a draft every i think if i'm if i'm right saying every year or is it yeah. every couple of years where they bring all the best players or all the p- best potential players from america to do a series of tests and to see if they have the potential to be the best almost like so one of the tests the quarterbacks do i don't yeah. know if you know but the quarter quarterbacks is the one who received the ball and then will have to make the decisions on where to throw the ball Mm. So they're usually classed as the most intelligent um, person almost on the team who could react to situations and adversity. So there's this test they do. It's called the Wonderlick test. And you can actually do this test yourself. If you just type in Wonderlick test in Google, you could do this test yourself to see if you have what it takes to be a quarterback in in the NFL draft. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, so it's basically a series of questions you have yeah. to compete under time under a time constraint and it's, it's, it's somewhat math- mathematical somewhat just different questions and that's used to almost um to use as a correlation between your score in that and how was your chances of becoming a good quarterback in nfl however two out of the top three um, or at least at least two in the NFL Hall of Fame of the best quarterbacks ever are some of the lowest scorers on this Wonder League test score. So you have NFL, one of the most mm. influential um, leagues and sports in the world with a lot of money, scouting and making future players do psychological tests to determine how good they'll be when some of the top actually done bad on this test. So do you think psychological tests can be used as a measure of identifying who's good? Or is it just, yeah, is it just not reliable enough? Oh mate, he's gone through through spanner in the works now, George. (laughs) But yeah, what do you think? So the question is, can some... So, sorry, you're going to have to say that again, David. So it's a case of... Can psychological traits mm-hmm. be used as a predictor of future talent or future perform, good performance, high performance? I think so. Based off... I've not consulted the literature, but based off my own intuition, I would say Yes. Mikey, what are your opinions? Ooh, let me think on that, actually. Um, mate, yeah, you're getting good me thinking. Good questions. good questions, yeah. <laughs> mate, I've just been thinking, yeah. Um, I think it depends on the, the, the type. You know, again, you know, there's so many factors we've mentioned earlier about team sports versus individual sport. I mean, if we're just strictly speaking, um, should tests be used for, let's say, NFL um, or psychological tests just be used for NFL and 
disregard anything else. I think, no, I don't think psychology tests maybe might not be. Again, just because due to that factors, there's so many factors. Um, you know, team synergy. The, the quarterback won't do anything. You know, if, if if there's no team synergy behind. You know, if no one's passing him the ball, if if, if other people aren't getting the ball, um, you know, he could be the most amazing quarterback. Um, and if the team overall gets the ball less and he gets the ball less, then they score less. So I'm I'm just thinking on the lines of other possible factors that could affect team performance and yeah I think it's, it's psychological test may be not as reliable for this sport than it may be for other sports where it's more individual based and their, their skill is a big predictor I think will you know of success rather than their, their skill and their synergy if that makes sense yeah I mean there's literally on both sides of the argument and yeah I guess it's what's, what what you make of it because mm. there's a lot of sides of argument for this and other ways of testing. But like you, like you, Mikey said, I think the most important thing of this time identification is to use a multi-dimensional model of identifying time, talent. Mm. You can't just use anthropometrical measures because maturation will affect that in a young age or psychological traits because same again, your experience or who you are taught by what your coach teaches you may be different so using a wide variety of measures of maybe even genes or different clubs or um, places you studied you played for so using a multi-dimensional model mm. instead of just a one model maybe a bit more of a um, more or a better indicator of future talent would you agree yeah yeah i think again yeah the more you take into account i know it's gonna from a financial and if they're you could call it corporate sense really you know uh after all academies are trying to make money and and build fame and, and athletes and and stuff like that so from from that sense um you know yes you can in integrate a more multi-dimensional method to you know maybe even start at a young age just have some basic measurements of the kid right at six years old and if it predicts them to be a great athlete good you're in the program once you're in the program give it two more years let's retest you again with a multi-dimensional test you know considering psychology fitness nutrition other factors and then later on three years we'll test again and another three years we'll test again that might be like really really good way to predict talent you know starting off basic and then slowly getting more advanced and multi-dimensional and but then the question is you know obviously is the price you know to pay for all these tests and then after they get to maybe like 15 and they test you know to predict not successful then they they've spent so much money on that individual already then they kind of like do you know what I mean they spent so much money on it yeah and yeah it becomes kind of waste of a money um in their sense um but yeah i think i think multi-dimensional what, what about you george I, I couldn't agree with you more to be honest mikey i think there's yeah. so many factors that into play it's not just a, an easy case of just doing one thing you, you do have to look at the bigger picture so mm. yeah i think you're you're bang on yeah i mean i couldn't agree more with you guys that one thing just doesn't determine the your performance in the future and it's a case of just constantly testing mm. and hoping that you might just catch the next Ronaldo 
or the next Messi. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, it's like going fishing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I guess the point I'm trying to make with most of this is can can you um, narrow it down further to who will be successful and who wouldn't? Or is or you, this is this is the best as talent identification can be. You know what I mean? If, mm. um, for example, with all this money going to waste of all the players not being successful, all the players, everyone, you know, everyone's heard of players dropping out of academies and stuff like that. Mm. And all this money being wasted through the development. Can you improve this talent identification or is it just a case of people's experiences what they've been through and and yeah this is as effective as talent identification is going to get but if if an individual has been spotted by a talent coach in order to to to, to get them on the program or as part of the team then clearly that would imply they've got reasonable they've got talent so if i'm a talent scout and i'm recruiting and i find this particular one but there's this one lad i think is very talented and has huge potential but by the age of um 16 after being spent 10 years with the academy i find that he's now decided to quit or that he's been dropped because his work ethic isn't matching the requirements of of our standard then that's got nothing to do with the talent or my ability as a talent scout. That's purely based on on him and his and, and his psychology. So, so, so imagine like you just said this this um person or kid you brought into the academy and they they have the right nurture all around them, but they, they still drop out and they can't handle it. So that just brings us back to the nature side. Is it natural that he couldn't cope with it? Do you have to be naturally, because you're in the right environment, you're brought into mm. this academy, the elite mm. environment, but you still can't take the pressure? Ooh. I see. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, you're right, David. It'd be yeah. interesting to find out. I don't know if you're, you're going to be far more clued up on this than we, than Mikey and I, but are there ways of measuring this? Um, I, I don't think there are. I think there's always going to be... like. Um, like one of my lecturers said, um, there's always going to be someone who slips through the net mm. and someone who you must have thought that kid is not going to make it anywhere, but then he becomes the next big star because yeah. you maybe thought someone who was who matured quicker was more talented. But in the long run, that kid who was always neglected because he was a late maturer becomes the best. Mm. So I reckon you, it's possible to have some predictors of talent, but it's impossible to predict if someone will actually become the best. Mm. But that's just that's just my take on things. How think, how would you guys yeah. summarize this whole nature versus nurture argument, psychological traits, and can talent be measured, or does talent even exist? But yeah, who who should start? I think David could have a pit of the lock. Pit of the lock. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, go on Mikey you can start sure alright um, man like yeah first is good 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 topic man you picked you picked a really good topic um, and I think I'll, I'll, I will stick with talent I don't think talent exists because I think talent is probably just a word to me it's just a word it's just something would describe someone who has the right amount of 
everything, the right amount of x amount of factors, right? Um, and yeah, so I think I think talent is just a summary. You know, it's such it's such a broad thing. Like we've just you know discussed in this in this podcast really extensively about the different factors and stuff like that. Um, it's such a broad topic, and there's so many things that fall under the umbrella of talent. You know, let it be qualities, psychologies, and stuff like that. Skill. I think it's just the right time, the right place, the right upbringing. Just a, the more boxes you tick, the 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 more talentful it looks. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think talent doesn't exist. I think it's just many different things uh, coming together. Um, I think this might be a really poor context, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. It's like obesity. Like obesity is, it's just a word. You know, obesity is just. It, it describes multiple conditions. It describes multiple different things. Okay, it's in in itself. It doesn't describe exact like exactly what it is because it's a multitude yeah. of different diseases combined, isn't it? So same thing with talent. In itself, it doesn't describe everything. It describes a a variety of things, um, and I think that's the key thing to understand really with with talent and with with regards to talent identification. I think it's only feasible depending on the sport and also the amount of funding that you're willing to put into it. I think you mentioned about, you know, different institute putting different amount of money monies in. I think with a good case study to look at is China, just because they have these like Olympian camps, what we call it, um, where they, you know, cipher through kids at a really young age, looking who's got good core at a young age, you know, just basic anthropometric measurements at first. And they, as they grow as an athlete, maybe every single year or every single month or something, they measure them, they test them on, on maybe like psychology and other factors and then compare them to the other athletes. And if somehow one performs better than the other, then they get a place and the other one drops out. Um, so like it becomes more multidimensional later on up the ladder as they get older and mature. So I think it's either you're going to give loads of funding into talent identification or very little. Uh, I don't think in between would really work because, again, it's just that, you know, getting all those factors in there. Um, but yeah, what do you think, George? Well, I'd love to be able to just say it's fizz or it's fat, it's black, white, yes or no. But yeah. as with everything that we discover through our studies, more often than not, you can't say conclusively and wholesomely that it's yes or no answer because ultimately. It, it ever is and so that's why i remain kind of sat on the fence i hate to kind of i hate to admit that because i'd love to be able to say it's this mm. but i can't because there's so many different factors and you you have to you have to look at the bigger picture with something like this you can't be so conclusive you have to look at everything as one and ultimately it is everything as one so i'm saying that in my opinion it's it's really dependent on the person and their genetics, but also their environment and their upbringing. So I remain sat on the fence and open to both sides. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you guys, like like George pretty much perfectly summarized it. It's it's not black and white. It's very subjective. And that's why a lot of this money is being wasted in talent identification because no one really truly knows how to measure it. Or or even if talent is this talent does exist, how can it be measured? Or even if there's a way of measuring it. So I just wanted, I think you guys debate this perfectly. Um, like, yeah, that there's no black and white 
on this is just is just a combination of things mm. that will ultimately ultimately in the long run you will become one of the elite yeah 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 mate that's um that's really good what were you gonna say george yeah, I was just going to extend on that and say, because I think you mentioned China. Did you mention China? Yeah, China, yeah. Yeah, that just, I don't know why, but it brought to my memory that uh, two, no, about, well, four years ago now, actually, because it wasn't, yeah, it was before my college days even. So mm. I was working with this um, this company that were working with school children, and they had a setup. It was mainly football-based, this company, and they had a they had a location in UK where we are, and also a location out in China. And the company were looking for one member of this company to go out to China and be a personal football coach exclusively, like train with this one boy who was about I think seven or eight. Oh, wanted, I think it was ninety thousand pounds. So this was yeah it was ridiculous (laughs) yeah i know crazy right (laughs) so ninety thousand pounds to work with this eight-year-old boy for a year and just exclusively train train him and it wasn't even through a club it was just his dad was very very well off and wanted to get this his young son to be a professional and i was well (laughs) insane yeah Man, that's actually crazy. I, mean, I, I would have taken that job. 90,000. 90, um, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't. I suppose maybe <coughs> Corona. Oh, mate, yeah. Man, I speak Chinese as well. I could have actually gone over there and just uh, smashed it out. But, but no, you know what? Things happen for a reason, right? So, you know, if I, didn't, if, I, if I did go, then, you know, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you amazing people. And, and yeah, do you know what I mean? So, it's mm. also a good thing. But, um, Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, man. That's it. And yeah, man, that's that's. It's a good chat today. Anything else you'd like to add, David? Um, no, just I don't. I don't know. Maybe I could add a bit. Um, yeah, sure, man. Let's on, go onto this. Um, <laughs> more, <laughs> more into this. Um, maybe. So obviously, if you want to train someone, for example, I'm just going to carry on with this China example you guys yeah. are talking about here. Um, probably the parent was trying to coach the kid more like hours to become this professional i don't know if you guys ever heard of the 10 10,000 hour hour practice rule yeah yes um so some of the listeners who might not know is basically it takes 10,000 hours of deliberate practice to become um elite or something so this study was done on the violinists um and the study found that by the age of 20, if you've done 5,000 hours of deliberate practice, you, you were good enough to become a music teacher in, a, in playing a violin. At 8,000 yeah. hours, you were classed as a good performer. And at 10,000 hours of deliberate practice, you were classed as a, one of the world's top performers. So this almost brings this question is training 10,000 hours of deliberate training. This is the key in this deliberate training. Mm. Would 10,000 hours of deliberate training make you the best or elite at something, at anything? 
as long as you put 10,000 hours deliberate practice in. No, I disagree. Mm. I agree with the fact that the more practice, the more likely you will at succeeding. But ultimately, I think someone can do something so repeatedly, but doing do it wrong. For example, as Mikey and I probably see on a day-to-day basis with our PT business down in the south here, is that people can do reps you know let's let's look at a bicep curl if you're doing a bicep rock bicep curl a hundred times you think that you're more likely to to go over muscle which is a fair comment because you're repeating the, the muscle action but of course if you're doing it wrong or less effectively as what you could be then frankly you're going to be wasting your time so you can do ten thousand hours but if you don't do it well with the right guidance then I'd question that. Are you being effective with your time? And of course, there is that nature debate because if you've got two people, person A does ten thousand hours, and it's just does 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 the skill, but with no um, kind of talent, what we perceive to be talent. But then you've got person B, who does have an already a predis like does have um, qualities that could help him such as um, fast movement of the fingers for example when playing the piano then that person may be more likely so it really depends on a genetics and b the uh, effectiveness and accuracy of what they're doing i think that's really well said um and yeah i i agree uh, with the whole in the whole side just because we've been brought up with that you know conception and you gave a really good example of the of the exercises. Um, you know, you could be trained to do really you know bad form for ten thousand hours, or you could be trained to do really good form for only five thousand, and you'll probably lift more or something like that. Um, mm. And there's so yeah, again, there's other factors as well, like coming from Olympic lifting background as well, um, because it's such a technical technical thing to do. Uh, it's not just about strength; it's about power and coordination uh, in ollie lifting, and with you know it's if you could put 10,000 hours but if you have bad form you know if you leave that that could that increases your chance of getting injury um i think one of the lecturers mentioned about the injury rate with ollie lifting was about 60 percent wasn't it or something like that um which is quite high and if you spend 10,000 hours of bad form you, if you get an injury it stops you in your tracks and then you can't do you can't do you know get that extra weight on Whilst if someone does it more at slower pace, but with really good form, and maybe slowly build up, you know, five thousand hours, and they're already at a pretty good, decent place, but not as as far as someone who would have spent ten thousand hours. But then they will be able to go on longer. They'll persevere longer, and in that way, mm. they're able to get that get to that golden figure at the end. You know, the, the the PB, the really high numbers, the world record or whatever. So I think that comes into play. And just to really like summarize the whole point as well. You know, if you could afford to spend ten thousand hours to do something deliberately, like a certain, like a sport and a skill deliberately, then surely you must have a, a decent upbringing or a decent, I don't know, a, a pretty well off or something like that. Because you know, if you could spend ten thousand hours of time, you know, if you have a coach for ten thousand hours as well to do that, then surely you you've probably been nurtured in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, um, just to carry on with basically what you guys are talking about there's a mm. study done about be- becoming a grandmaster in chess so the grand 
to become the is is the highest award in chess is the grandmaster title and um it's awarded to chess players who pass the two two and a half thousand elo rating and so this rating is pretty much it's a point system so if you finish in a top three at a number of um tournaments like um specific tournaments which are accredited um then you get a certain number of points and once you reach this amount of points you become a grandmaster in chess mm. so um Gobet in 2007 established that the mean practice to become a grandmaster in chess was 11 11,000 hours of practice however the standard deviation of this was five and a half thousand therefore someone could become a grandmaster at four and a half thousand mm. deliberate practice hours and someone could have completed 25 thousand hours and still not achieve grandmaster so this brings us back to nature versus nurture and i think yeah just like this whole talent is very a very great area it's not a mixture of both mm. and it's hard to almost measure it oh yeah i agree what, what do you think george yeah i completely agree it's all in alignment with what i said earlier about how it isn't just a case of yes or no. It is ultimately a case, though, of looking at the bigger picture and, yeah, making that evaluation based on all various components. So I completely agree with you. But yeah, here's a, here's a question for you, David, actually. Um, so, I mean, regards, because you, you've, you've had insight in this as well. And I don't know what, you know, if, if your lecturer has told you anything or anything, but, um, but is there any up, new up-and-coming ways of measuring talent or is there any, like, other like new new thing coming as well um, um in terms of talent there's not really obviously any mm. up and coming but obviously such as um genetic testing is obviously continuously getting better it's currently not the yeah most efficient level it can be but obviously it will improve and like we said we talked about is genetics is not necessarily a good predictor as it's not a linear progression Mm. someone might have genetics and have have think that they're going to be the best but genetics is not linear and it, therefore it might not be a predictor of future talent so I don't think there will ever be a way to measure talent or there will ever be an improvement to measure talent okay like like um, George said you can be more experienced you could look you could start seeing things a bit differently but ultimately, you're never going to predict 100% who is going to be talented. Mm. And someone's always going to slip through the net, someone who you neglected and will become the best. So I think just to, from my point of view, to summarize this whole argument is um, to look at various factors and try to try to predict, but you'll never get it 100% right. I think that's quite a mm. nice way yeah, to, mm. to summarize it all put it into package um, there we go <laughs> but yeah mate no that that's definitely definitely a good topic man oh thank you for that mate really appreciate that yeah, thank, um, thank you guys for having me on yeah definitely but um but yeah i think we'll call it there really um i mean it's gone on for a little while now <laughs> so <laughs> but um Lost but yes a bit. 
Yeah, no, it's all right though. I mean, this this is what happens when you have raw, uncut conversation, and yeah. when we're on our feet, especially. Um, and this is always interesting because you don't know what's going to come up, and you just like you know just think interesting things come up. So that's why we really like to do this format for you guys. And um, and yeah, so where can the big world find you guys? Um, so you, so I'm on um, Instagram. It's um, my Instagram name is David underscore performance underscore fitness and uh david is spelled d-a-w-i-d so if you want to follow me you're more than welcome to nice and yourself george yeah same as same as david my instagram is at george w fit so that's george w fit and yeah if you want to get in touch just send me over a message guys and mikey how about yourself yes yeah, so i'm actually at primal standard um so that's just primal underscore standard um, I've been telling it, you know, wrong to you guys for the past few weeks. Um, I didn't realise it was a, it was an underscore. I've been saying it's a hyphen. <laughs> so yeah, it's an underscore. Make sure it's an underscore. <laughs> and um, and yeah, I've got some content on there for you guys to check out as well. So is George and David as well. So uh, we've we've got various different things and we cover quite a lot of areas. So yeah, it's definitely good to check us out and just drop us a DM. Let us know how you're doing during this time and how we could help. But but yeah, anything you boys want to add as well? No, other than thank you for coming on, David. It's been a pleasure. You definitely kept me on my toes. I'm sure you have with Mikey as well. Yeah, and definitely. It's been great to hear some of your insights. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, thank you as well, uh, guys, for having me on. All right, I re- decent. Really enjoyed it as well. Mate, no, it's been a pleasure. Like, there's there so many good points. And, um, and yeah, George said that, you know, like, I was on my feet uh, constantly thinking. So, but yeah. And yes, guys, just give us some feedback. Let us know if this kind of format is, uh, is you know, if you quite enjoy it, then just let us know. Drop us a DM. And yeah, thank you for your time. And for, on behalf of both these boys and, and myself, stay safe and we'll catch you very soon. See you later, guys. Bye.